Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome in to the 13th episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. My name is Micah. I'm joined, as always, by Kaylin and Lino. We have a lot of fun stuff to get into today, including, of course, our favorite teams matching up. We had a fun Heat-Lakers game, if you enjoy rock fights. We had uh, quite quite a time texting over that, so we'll get into Heat-Lakers a little bit. We also will get into Celtics-Thunder and specifically what our thoughts are on those teams and specific players to them and how they've been performing But we also have some fun news and notes to get into, so I'll jump into that quickly. Um, At the top, I want to give a shout out to a player very near and dear to my heart, and that is Goran Dragic has officially retired. Goran is a heat lifer, if there ever was one. He played in Miami, He also had big stints in Phoenix, uh, played in Houston a little bit, and then was a journeyman towards the end, but really had some great seasons in Miami, but also he even made an all-NBA team in Phoenix. So Goran, by all accounts, is just an awesome dude, great career, and just wanted to shout him out because love Goran, love the Dragon. That bubble run will be in Heat Nation's hearts forever. So shout out Goran. A couple injury news updates. Uh, Gary Payton II is going to be out several weeks with a hamstring strain. So Golden State is already shorthanded. That's tough. There were reports today from Adrian Wojnarowski that Draymond Green could potentially be returning. He's starting his ramp-up process, so the Warriors do lose GP2 right after he returned, but they might be getting Draymond back soon. Uh, Zach Levine is officially listed as questionable for his game tomorrow, which is uh, Friday, January 5th, so we could see Levine back pretty soon. Is that a good thing for the Bulls? To be determined. Uh, Another sad uh, update, at least if you enjoy watching great passing in the NBA, is Ricky Rubio has retired. Ricky's another guy, had a great career, obviously a ton of hype as overseas prospect, but was just a fun guard to watch on good teams. He had some fun runs with Timberwolves. He was also good with Utah and then in the later stages, Cleveland. So shout out to Ricky. Sounded like he has some... Uh, mental health things he's trying to take care of so salute to him for putting that above everything else and making sure he's good we wish all the best for ricky and arguably the biggest news since we last recorded the detroit pistons won a basketball game they beat the toronto raptors who were a little shorthanded because they just made a trade which we will get into a little later but it doesn't matter because detroit won Kalen, I want to throw it to you first. Detroit won a basketball game. What were your thoughts? Uh, very happy for them. I I, I watched that uh, that Celtics loss um, in a bar, and it, it felt like a lot of people in there that were paying attention to the game were kind of rooting for the Pistons. Uh, so glad they got their win. They've been playing extremely hard, and I think now I'm just hoping they can get that's a second one I mentioned to you guys that they kind of need two wins kind of quick in succession uh, just so you don't restart that clock immediately. They had an overtime loss 
uh, last night to the Utah Jazz. That was a really good game. But I, I think at least, like we see, they're going to be playing teams super hard. And I think they'll... I think they won't go on another 20-game losing streak, which isn't going out on a limb, but it kind of is. Yeah, it was great to see them get a win. Cade has been awesome. Everyone else, tough to say. Lino, as our resident Pistons fan, what were your takeaways from this huge victory? Shout out to uh, Asar Thompson. You know, six points, one rebound, zero assists, but a plus three in a game that they won by two. So, you know, when it comes to mattering and playing winning basketball. That's how you measure. That's how you do it. Uh, but honestly, I just want to say shout out to Cade Cunningham. Through the last week of this, you know, nightmare of a stretch for them, he has been putting every single ounce of energy into trying to win a single basketball game for his team. And, um, you know, I was in the pure chaos of absolute trash that this team has been over the past two months. Um, it got to the point where I wasn't even certain. I was like, is Cade Cunningham, like, is he a winning player? Like, should a winning player, blue chip prospect, be able to, you know, just pull together a win out of nothing? And, you know, I've gone back and forth on that. But honestly, through that last week, just seeing what he was doing out there on the floor and the way he was uh, really just trying his best I saw some really great flashes of uh, the talent that he can still be. So hopefully they can get some real talent around him and uh, maybe they can shake up some things in that front office. I know, Micah, you had some concerns about roster building moving forward, but what do you think? Are, you think this win is enough to save Troy Weaver's job or no, <laughs> should that's, they start shopping? That's the thing is like if the losing streak wasn't enough to get him fired, I don't know if anything could be. Uh, yeah. other than something like illegal or super controversial. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it's concerning to me as a person that likes a lot of players on that team and just likes good basketball in general. Uh, it's tough to see them moving on from Troy Weaver if they haven't already. I made the point, I think, a couple episodes ago, and I still think this, that the person that built this roster does not need to be the person making roster decisions at the trade deadline because the person that built this roster... I think it's fair to say didn't do a great job, so they need someone else making decisions. But we'll see. Uh, I don't think they can fire uh, Monty Williams, seeing as he just got that contract. So hopefully the Pistons can figure out something, but at least they got a win. At least they're only slightly part of the losing streak history books. So shout out to the Pistons. Uh, next news topic I wanted to hit on is the Brooklyn Nets were fined for... Uh, unprecedented reason. So following an investigation, including a review by an independent physician, the NBA determined that four Nets rotation players who did not participate in their game on December 27th could have played under the medical standard in the NBA player participation policy. So this is the first time we're seeing this is this new to this season, but it's intended to promote players playing in all 82 games. So this is obviously is a huge Pandora's box type of situation. An independent physician determining whether players were healthy enough to play. Like, how could that be determined? How could it be determined after the fact? Like, did they just look at medical records? And there's all kinds of questions here. And we, we don't have a lot of details on how this was determined. Um, but it is concerning to me as a fan. I think this whole push 
for motivating players to play more games, the 65 game minimum for awards, all this kind of stuff is treating symptoms of a bigger issue, which is 82 games is too many for a regular season. But we all know the NBA is not going to reduce those amount of games. But I think forcing guys to play is not the right way to go about it. Lino, I'll throw it to you first. What was your initial reaction when you saw this news? I thought it was very bizarre the way they went about doing this. I mean, yeah, you want players to play games, but this is what, two days after Christmas on like a Wednesday. Like, I think it's fine. I don't think it's worth a hundred. I don't think you lost a hundred thousand dollars because four rotational players on the Brooklyn Nets didn't play. I'm not even sure that game was televised. And even if it was, I don't know exactly who all is tuning in to watch the Brooklyn Nets right now. So like you mentioned, it's very much, you know, just treating symptoms and not treating the greater issue. But very specifically, I thought it was strange because they find the Brooklyn Nets in totality. But when you do these investigations, like what happens when an owner or a GM like wants those guys to play, but the coach doesn't play them? Coach just sits them. And now the whole organization is getting a fine from a coach's decision when that wasn't a top down decision from the organization. That could have just been a player sitting out. Like, <laughs> are you supposed to just, are the Nets just supposed to continue collecting fines if a player decides he wants to sit out? Or do they determine at what level the decision was made for a guy to take a night off? It just doesn't seem like a very healthy precedent. And I'm hoping that this won't be a reoccurring situation. But, Kaylin, did you have any other thoughts about it? Um, I thought it was kind of like the flopping rule that they recently implemented. Um, mm -hmm. It's like good intentioned. There's no way it's going to be executed correctly, which the flopping rule, uh, if you guys have been paying attention to that. It's wow. a mess. It's a mess. Like, that's really what it is. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this type of stuff. Too difficult to police independent investigators looking into if he's good enough to go. Uh, I don't know. The team doctor said that uh, the, the team doctor saying the dude's not healthy. Like, what are you? I don't know. Now your doctor disagrees with this doctor, but I mean, but who's to say? So I don't know. It's like good intention. I, I see the I see the vision behind it. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really all for it. Yeah, it's odd. And it's odd because it's not like it's top tier talent that's missing a nationally televised game or something. And it's also interesting, like if Brooklyn would have lost that game, do they get fined? Like if they investigate last night, uh, Miami Laker game that we'll talk about later, um, Miami was out a lot of guys, but like if they look into it and really like Jimmy was resting, Haywood was resting, like they could have played, but they still won the game. Like, will they get fined for that? So it's just not clear what this is supposed to do other than force every player on a roster to be available as much as possible, which I, I don't know how beneficial that is for the fans or the league as a whole. So thought that was weird. Hopefully it's not something we see a lot of going forward. So the final news item we're getting into today, uh, probably the biggest news of the week, is OG Ananobi was traded. This was a very uh, rare late December deal. We don't see a ton of those. But OG Ananobi was traded from the Toronto Raptors to the New York Knicks. Uh, Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn, I believe, are also in the deal. 
And the Toronto Raptors received Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett. They additionally received a second-round pick from New York, but it's Detroit's second-round pick this year, so it's almost like a first-round pick. So not terrible value as far as that pick is concerned. It was very interesting to me that the uh, Knicks did not have to give up, give up a first-round pick in this situation. So, Kalen, I'll throw it to you first. What was your initial reaction, and what have you seen from OG as a Knicks so far? Um, you know, I think that initially I, I didn't really have a, a reaction either way. I thought the trade was okay. But, you know, then I, I learned that there was an Emmanuel quickly hive that I did not know about. Like that that dude has a strong follow. Alive and well, baby. I, Get that I was some minutes. I was shocked by some of the <laughs> I'm takes. in there. Yeah, I'm in there. <laughs> Any weird hive you can think of that's like <laughs> not find too you. weird. If it's basketball related, I'm in there. If there's okay. a player that, you know, 157 people are saying should get more minutes, I'm probably number 156. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought they were a, a group of uh, convincing people. I'm not going to lie. I, I I started to see the vision behind, oh, you know what, it, quickly kind of stuck behind Brunson in New York, you know, very limited opportunity in terms of how much you could play them together because of their skill sets. And he's much needed in Toronto because they need uh backcourt versatility. They need extra skill in the backcourt. They need shooting in the backcourt. So more opportunity for him and he's going to really pop. And those quickly fans really believe that he has a higher ceiling that I, I was not thinking that he had this ceiling, but uh, there's definitely a number of people who who believe that he's gonna really pop in Toronto. So I'm excited for that. I thought it was a good, just a really good NBA trade, like good for both teams and just good for the NBA uh, to get OG out of that situation that had really kind of grown stale and stagnant. I didn't think anything was um, really gonna be happening there with that. So I was glad OG got out of there. I think New York is a good destination for him, uh, just in terms of what they need, particularly on the defensive end. I think that um, you would want, I guess, like a little more consistency now, uh, out of his out of his shooting. But in terms of like the, the defense, he's going to really kind of plug a hole for them in, in terms of like the type of players that he's going to be able to guard that they previously had to just make do with, you know, whoever Julius Randle a lot of the times is a, a, a guy getting assignments that, you know, it's not the best assignment for him, but it's, you know, you don't want to put R.J. Barrett on certain people. So I was really glad that R.J. Barrett was included in the deal. Speaking of R.J. Barrett, I'm not an R.J. Barrett fan. So I thought New York uh, kind of getting rid of him was really good for them, uh, especially when they're getting OG back. I thought OG was the best player uh, in that trade. We'll see about quickly. But I thought OG was just the, the best, most consistent, reliable player in the trade. And I thought that was a win for New York. But I, I still I still like the pieces that Toronto was able to get. I, I think overall just – Solid, dude. Like, really good trade for both teams. And um, I like what I've seen uh, from OG, particularly on the defensive end, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It was interesting to see the reactions on both sides. Lino, what did you make of the reactions on the timeline and the trade in general? Um, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. You know, people just go crazy for the trades, but I always generally feel that as long as both sides are being a little bit insane, it's probably a decent trade. Like if both fan bases are like 
angry. <laughs> it's probably a fair trade. Uh, but I mostly just wanted uh, the guys are laughing at me because I went to the chat and said, pass me the rock. But I mostly just wanted to say shout out to him to just showing up one day and ball now. I mean, in this game, he had 17 points, six rebounds and two steals and was a plus 19 against what was, was one of the best teams in the West. Like, what the heck is that about? I mean, Julius Randle obviously put up 40. Um, but I just thought, you know, I feel like Harden's first game in L.A. was terrible. I feel like it's so hard to just go to a new team and just start playing basketball. But I briefly remember seeing on Twitter Jalen Brunson um, doing a postgame interview and talking about how professional OG has been and how he just has been really flexible. And he was like, he he recalled a moment on the court where he was like, look, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, so I'm just going to keep cutting to the basket. <laughs> Brunson was like, all right, I'll just keep passing it to you. So uh, it's, it's got to feel good as an organization, as a team to shake up things that fast and be able to, you know, get a dub out of it, at least some form of instant gratification. Uh, we'll see how it lasts moving forward, though. As of recording, both teams are 2-0 and since the trade, so they both got to be feeling pretty good. It made me think about kind of trades in general and – I think the NBA trades that make the most sense are teams passing each other in directions. And usually it's an ascending team and a team that's kind of ready to take a step backwards, go younger, and they swap those pieces. And this felt like a good example of this. New York was in the playoffs last year. They're ready to make a big splash, maybe even set up another move after this. They know OG Anobi is a good playoff defender. They're ready to go all in on that type of guy. And they know Quickly and Barrett are good, but they're younger and their peak is probably still two to three years away. And Toronto is perfectly fine with that because they're building around Scotty Barnes. So, Kalen, like you said, I thought the trade just made a ton of sense for both sides. And it's just, it's just a cool trade. I enjoyed seeing it. I got to catch some of OG's first game against the Wolves. And it's interesting. I think, Kalen, like you alluded to, the fact that they just have a guy they can put on the other team's best player 90% of the time is going to be super helpful. One thing I will be interested to monitor, though, is his switching and versatility is such an important part of what he does. And with the rest of the Knicks roster, especially their four other best players, switching isn't super viable. Like if you look at the starting lineup that they're using right now, which I believe is Brunson, DiVincenzo, OG, Randall, and Hartenstein, you can't really switch any of those guys. You could switch OG and Randall if it's a bigger wing, maybe. But I'm just thinking playoff-wise, if you know OG's on Tatum, Tatum's not gonna ISO OG. He's gonna call Brunson up and it's like, well, you can't switch that now. So it's you know, it's gonna create issues. And I'll be interested to see. I think a different kind of team Ananobi could have gone to, similar to like what the Raptors do when they have more like sized players, would have been interesting just because his versatility and ability to switch is so good. Like the heat. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, it, it'd be cool to see him with like Jimmy Bam, Haywood, Caleb, something like that. Uh, but he'll help the Knicks a lot, no doubt. It's also going to be interesting. I feel like this move could set the Knicks back in the regular season a little bit. Uh, their bench was really good, and a lot of that was because of quickly. And in that Minnesota game, Deuce McBride is now like running their second unit and they put Jaden McDaniels on him. And he was like, whoa, I, I'm not sure about this. This is a top three, five, like perimeter defender on me right now. I'm used to like, you know, garbage time, getting some, you know, the third best defender on the team, maybe. 
So that was kind of funny to watch that. It might be they have to like stagger uh, Brunson and uh, Randall more than they normally do. They haven't done that a ton. So we'll see going forward. But like you guys both said, fun trade. And it's just fun when trades happen. And, and this isn't normally the time of year they do. So it's cool that we got something a little different this time. So with that all rounding out, we can move into a little game breakdown and a game that might have some serious ramifications going forward for at least one of these teams. <laughs> so our favorite squads, uh, the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers, played last night in what was unequivocally a violent rock fight. Teams were basically competing to see who could turn it over more. And there was a lot of bad plays. Miami decided they weren't going to score in transition. I guess it's just a self-imposed challenge. The Lakers decided they weren't going to play zone offense against zone defense just to see how hard it could be. There's a ton of back and forth. But to be real, there were fun plays. Anthony Davis was phenomenal. Looked like the best player on the floor. Looked incredible. Austin Reeves had a great game. LeBron seems to still be dealing with that illness he was coming off of. Did not look like himself. Um, Tyler Hero had the most points on the team, but really felt like down the stretch, Duncan Robinson was a player that saved Miami the most. But all eight guys that played in their rotation got to double figure, so real team effort. Lino, I think Kalen has a lot to say on this one, so I'll throw it to you to make the swing pass. If you have any quick comments, you can get to them, and then we'll let Kalen go crazy on what was an interesting performance from his squad. Yeah, uh, the first thing I want to do is just shout out uh, two people. The first being uh, Nikola Jovich got to start this game, and he's had got the chance to start the past couple. And, you know, I think as a fan base, we have been very split on whether or not this is our guy ever since he was drafted. It sometimes seems like he has a very unserious version of basketball that he likes to play. But I just have to say that I've been – slightly impressed like I don't think it's been amazing I don't think it's been like world changing or even really been a huge case for him to have a good chunk of minutes when everybody's healthy but I do think he is a very interesting player and I think he's done a good job with the role that he's been thrown into over the past couple games tonight he was uh, 15 points eight rebounds and assists and just a lot of heads up plays um, that uh, he has only one recorded steal, but I know he was involved in several different uh, turnovers. And I just was really impressed with him being able to kind of work on his game, um, work on fitting into the system that Spo has for him and just uh, stepping up in the moment. So shout out to him. Uh, I feel like Kalen has a lot to say about the Lakers. So before it gets too negative in here, I just want to shout out Anthony Davis, like, regardless of the narrative around him as a player, regardless of, you know, the narrative around his health, this guy is a dog. This guy wants to win and wants to do everything he can to win. He played 43 minutes tonight at 29 points, 17 rebounds, six steals or six assists, three steals and five blocks. He was everywhere, everything all at once for this team and I was just really impressed and I think I've definitely had phases where I've kind of doubted like is this guy like legitimately a guy like is this guy really going to show up does he really want it and this season through all of the Lakers ups and downs I just 
more than anything, I've just been sold on Anthony Davis as like a number one guy on a team uh, that clearly just needs some help from shooting <laughs> and some playmakers alongside him. But he's been incredible on both ends of the basketball court, and I'm just excited to see the Lakers hopefully make some changes uh, pretty soon. Yeah, uh, AD did play a fantastic game, and you know the a lot of the talking points and narratives around him. I think continue to be uh, lacking in um, intelligence. <laughs> there are really <laughs> dumb arguments around AD. Yeah, uh, but I think th- I think when he's healthy, I think this is <clears throat> what it's fair to expect from him on a night to night basis. But getting into kind of what I saw uh, out of that game from the Lakers, um, really dispirited effort, really disjointed effort. Um, team just continues to be the most ill prepared team in basketball. They're the second worst team in first quarters behind only the Portland Trailblazers, uh, who I think have a slightly worse point differential in first quarters than we do. But I think on average we're losing the first quarter by like four or five points um, every time, which is uh, pretty bad. And obviously there's been a lot of focus after that game on Darvin Ham, uh, after the report from Yovan Buha and Shams Tarani of The Athletic, uh reporting that six uh six different sources inside the locker room um have um I don't know if you can say they're complaining or they're just kind of becoming disconnected from what Darvinham has been doing, citing the lineup and rotation rotation adjustments as well as some of the game plan things. And I really want to kind of highlight for you guys uh why I think that um Darvin Ham should be in, in strong consideration for uh, being replaced. And today I, I, I was listening to Yovan Buha. He was on a podcast with Jason Timph of the Hoops Tonight podcast. And Yovan did confirm that there were discussions uh, being held internally within the Lakers front office about replacing Darvin Ham. So he did say those conversations are, 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 are being had like currently. So we'll kind of continue to monitor that situation. But when we talk about a coach, when the fire coach, a coach's number one most important job is to get all of the juice out of the fruit, whatever kind of fruit it is. And this was my thing about Frank Vogel. I was a big proponent. I was a big proponent of firing Frank Vogel. Okay. If I give you a fruit, okay. If the fruit is rotten and I say, Hey, look, I know, I know it's rotten fruit, not good fruit. But just hey, do me a favor. I want you to get all the juice out of this fruit. I'm gonna give you five million dollars to get all the juice out of the fruit. However much is in there, I want it. And you don't give me anything. You say, man, well, the the, the fruit's rotten. I can't get any juice out of here, right? So I fire you because you give me nothing when there was something. And you say, well, that guy gave me rotten fruit. Like if if I had ripe fruit ready to go, I would have I would have gave him like half a glass. And the issue is is that. Anybody could give me half a glass with like ripe fruit, right? I want somebody who's going to overflow my glass. I want somebody who's going to give me every last drop out of whatever the fruit. If it's a bad roster, like 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 what we gave Frank Vogel, not a good roster. But he wasn't getting all the juice out of the squeeze, so he had to go. I think it's the same thing here with Darvin Ham. Like this team is not what I thought it was, what a lot of people thought it was at the start of the season. I think that I can admit that. And firing Darvin Ham does not solve all the issues that this team has, right? Like, the coach isn't 
making I mean you guys saw some of those passes last night were were not like they weren't the heat just being super aggressive I mean you guys were uh in passing lanes but some of those passes were just ridiculous Max Christie a guy I love he oh, does the, that was brutal he does the Mr LeBron thing Max Christie is a good player but whenever he does the the Mr. LeBron, do, do I pass it to you now? Or do, do do I do I shoot? Do I go? Like you you can't. That's why LeBron doesn't want the the young guys. But uh, I, I digress. I want to stay on Darvin Ham real quick, guys. Um, so last year, when the Lakers had success after the trade deadline and going into the playoffs, what they did on, on offense, they were running a four out one in heavy pick and roll, heavy post up offense. Okay, that's what they had success with. Give the ball to LeBron, give the ball to AR, give the ball to AD. Okay, run pick and roll or run your post-ups or whatever. This year, they started the season running a five-out offense. Now, if you can remember earlier, uh, one of these episodes that we did, I talked about what you expect from five-out offenses, and I, I talked about how other teams in the league don't run a, a whole lot of pick and roll with five-out offenses, and other teams that run the five-out offense, they have uh, a lot of good shooting. Uh, or they have guys that are awesome at getting downhill every time, like uh, De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, right? So he changed the offense. So a lot of that continuity talk about, well, we want to we want to keep with the same roster and 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 you know use what we had last year. Immediately, immediately, it, there were big big changes. Like that, that's a big change. That is a that's a pretty sizable change. And I think you guys saw that from the very beginning. The offense was very clunky. Uh, I'm talking the, the beginning of the season. The offense has just been clunky, and you know guys aren't making shots, but people just look kind of confused. They're like they don't know what to do. All right, so that's one of the changes, right? From from four out one in heavy pick and roll, heavy post up to a five out. Like we want to shoot the ball, but we're still running a lot of pick and roll. We're just kind of confused. That's one of the changes. And then we know about the lineup changes from uh, putting AR on the bench early in the season, and then moving D'Lo to the uh, to the bench as well a little later in the season. Bringing um, Cam Reddish and um, into the starting lineup, bringing Jared Vanderbilt into the starting lineup, um, as well as just making a lot of ro uh, rotational changes in which groups you're running, which guys get minutes, which guys get DMPs. Like that's been changing constantly, like nonstop. And guys have cited that as been one of the reasons why they can't find rhythm. I felt that last night. Uh, that lineup that had a backcourt of of Hood Shafino and Max Christie. They couldn't complete a pass. They could not <laughs> complete a pass. And I don't even oh, blame, I don't even I don't blame them. You, you have to send Hood Shafino to South Bay. What are we doing? He's been hurt all yeah. year. He he's played in he's played like eight minutes. He doesn't know what he, he's not comfortable. Don't put him out there against Miami when the team's already getting killed. What are you doing? I know we don't have any point guards. Like we, we gotta figure something else out. Yeah, we were talking about it. Um last night and i just thought it was funny that max christie and ahud shafino were out there and it just felt like darwin ham saw that we were playing jaime Hawkins jr and like jamal kane yes and he was like oh they're doing it we could probably yes. pull this off too this should be fine oh like, they're, yeah, they're playing they're young guys i, I think we, we <laughs> should be able to get ours off no. these two things are not the same absolutely not i think one of the biggest problems with darwin ham right now is that darwin ham is not a problem solver like darwin ham I'm not even sure he really like wants to come. I think he wanted to kind of lead this team where they wanted to go with his like philosophies, with his experience, ha having played in the NBA himself. He just wanted to kind of like CEO the team like in the right direction. 
right? He's not going to drop them. He doesn't, he's, he's a player's coach. And I think he's in big trouble because this team has real deficiencies. The roster's not because we thought, like, we need help drawing up some of some of uh some of the offense like we need help getting guys in position one of the reasons i think that good shooters like torian prince and ar are up and down and they can't hit shots consistently is because we're not like truly in a rhythm like mm-hmm. when i watched the celtics on christmas even though they didn't shoot well like they're swing 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 they're uh they're okay pass a good pass a great pass and a perfect shot like that's that's what makes that shot go go down. I know these guys are professionals. I know they're being paid. Like they need to hit their open looks, regardless. But the fact of the matter is, like you need to you need to help them, right? You're not getting the juice out of the squeeze, um, and that's why I, I really am kind of leaning towards wanting a better coach. The problem is that who are you going to hire? Like they didn't expect this. They didn't expect to be looking possibly at a new coach when the season started. So firing a coach when you don't have a plan is a t- Terrible idea. It's a really bad idea. So, uh, I I think that's I, a great point too yeah. because they weren't expecting to be in this situation because last year finished while they did get swept overall finished on such a high note post trade. You know, it really seemed like the group, everyone understood their role. It just seemed like Darwin really had the locker room like on his side. So I yeah I think going into this season I think you can pretty confidently based off their off season, say they were comfortable with the group they had, maybe make some minor tweaks, you know, Gabe Vincent, guys like that, but they were comfortable with the formula that got them to where they were last, last year in the Western conference finals. And I think that is probably the hardest part as their decision makers in terms of, do we keep Darwin? Do we let Darwin go? Is they didn't expect to be here. And like you were saying about the five out offense, I think that is really enlightening because as an outsider as just a fan of the league who's not watching the Lakers every night I have the same like surface level thought I'm like okay they were better than this last year this is essentially the same group what's going on and their offense was a weakness last year so I'm sympathetic to the fact that he's like okay I want to try and fix this but it almost feels similar to what Milwaukee went through where they're like okay we want to try something more aggressive than the drop coverage and within two weeks, they're like, no, 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 we just need to go back to drop. They didn't, have, they didn't have the personnel to to, to yeah. really run that. And, and the like, Lakers don't have a, a five-out offense type of personnel. And, yeah, there's not I, shooting. I, I forgot to mention, I think maybe the worst thing of all, they were running, uh, uh, depending on, on who we were playing, either uh, – you know, a drop defense where AD was show, he would show high or he would show low, depending on the you know the level of shooter that was running the pick and roll. Um, and if you can remember in the championship against um, Indiana, they were running like this uh, blitz and recover type of defense, getting the ball out of the you know an elite ball handler's hands. So that's kind of what they were doing. They were running drop, okay, and running a blitz and recover defense. Now they're running switch. That was just at the um, just at the in-season tournament you were just running this defense and now you've switched after you had success yeah where does that come from how do you win a championship and be like yeah you know what let's try running a completely different defense Mm -hmm. and uh a lot of the you know wise guys guys who are smarter than basketball about me they've really been pointing out that running that switching defense when austin reeves is on the court is horrible because he now gets to defend every single action. Because why would you why would you pick anybody else? If AR's on the court, yeah, I'll take him. 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like grasping at straws, which I think is what is making the whole infrastructure feel like it's crumbling because it's the same thing with these starting lineup changes. It's like, okay, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything with confidence. It feels like you're hoping things work. Same thing with the defense you're describing, same thing with the offensive changes. And I, I think all that does make you lose trust in a coach as a fan base, certainly, but but probably as decision makers in the front office. Like, I mean, that that would be worrisome to me. So it, it's a really tough spot. And it's I'll, I'll just put it on your radar. So or throw it to you, Kalen, just because I want to know kind of what you're envisioning is like the best realistic scenario there are assistants out there right now that could potentially be hired. Um, Terry Stotts and Mike D'Antoni are two offensive gurus that maybe you could add to Darwin's staff. Would you rather something like that happen and hopefully they could kind of help the offense in season or are you leaning more towards it, the Darwin experiment is over, we need to get a whole new you know, leader in this locker room? I think – in an ideal world, which is not where we live, but I think that what has to happen is that Darwin has to figure this thing out. It's it's so hard for me to believe that this team just fires their coach midseason and, I don't know, things just work out. Like I said, just to be completely fair to Darwin, this isn't all his fault. Like, he he's he not throwing lazy passes that get picked off. He's mm-hmm. not missing open jumpers. Um, you know, he's not missing defensive assignments. Um, so... That's not all his fault, and this this is this is the month. If, if if you don't you're not following like the Lakers schedule, this is the month to get things right. They have a ton of home games this month, um, and some of the opponents are a little lighter. Like from what I heard just today, like, like I said, Mike, I was playing every. There was so much to play that I was playing everything in. From what I'm hearing from people who would know is that they want to see how this month goes. Like this is his month to get right. And if, if, if it doesn't work, if, if he's not 10 and five this month or whatever the case may be, then he's probably going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, the trade deadline is February 8th. So you got about a month and four days. And, and I think, like you're saying, there are going to be changes on the roster and probably up top on that coaching staff if things don't sh- show some signs of life. I, real quick, can we uh, can we talk about guys that the – the Lakers could potentially bring out. I, I feel like we, we've definitely hit on some of this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like even more than, than last week when we recorded, the, the DeJounte Murray stuff is heating up from what I'm hearing. Um, I think in, in an ideal world, I think I'm starting to warm up to Zach Levine. I really am. Mm, and, I, okay. and, and, and I, I hate to say it, but he he is like one of the best available players in the market, and I think we need like more of a scoring punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not he's not like we need somebody else to that can be like a, a two way point of attack type defender. Like if we can get like Caruso and DeRozan or yeah, uh, you know I mean. But everyone wants Caruso. I, I almost yeah. hate even saying the Caruso thing. That's everybody. What, yeah. what 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 do you think, Lane? Is there is there anybody that can come in and help these guys, help save Ham's job, help get things on the on the right track? You guys need to show up to the Chicago Bulls fire sale, no matter what, and just take yeah. whatever's available, whether it be so. Levine, Caruso, DeRozan, like all three of those 
guys can give you something that you need right now um there's probably some like shooters out there i don't know if like dinwiddie is available like mm. uh he can be somebody who can just give you guys a little bit of offensive uh firepower y'all should uh maybe pick up the phone for pascal siakam for all that matters i don't know but i would yeah. just i would throw i'd throw the kitchen sink anywhere like anybody who wants these picks and players like come and get them because you guys have really good role players like you guys just have too many of the same players like Cam Reddish and Vanderbilt and Hachimura just don't need to be on the same team. Um, and if you can trade any of that to get someone to replace D'Lo and like package it with D'Lo and one of those players and uh, just get someone who can play some good basketball uh, and just play some like regular good basketball, not be too extreme, like one way or the other, uh, that would be really solid. Micah, yeah. is there anybody that you've been thinking of? Yeah, there's a couple guys in my mind, and not to twist the knife even further, because I know this is a painful time for Lakers fans, but man, but I twist was like, the knife anyway. But I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, so we need some point of attack defense, especially right. on guards, need yes. some shooting, yes. a guy that's comfortable with the ball in big situations. It's like, oh, somebody just like Gabe Vincent would be perfect. Kind of. He, he <laughs> would be. He would be so helpful. It would take all the D-Lo stuff away. It's just like if D-Lo's got it, cool. If he doesn't, you know, you're playing 15 minutes tonight. So I, I hate that Gabe is hurt how he is because I do think he'd be huge because he's just a steady, reliable guy. Yeah. Um, I like the Dinwiddie call out. A lot of Miami fans really want them to pursue this Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith package that people I think have mostly just made up, but it does make sense. Those guys would be available from Brooklyn. And I think that would make sense for the Lakers as well. Um, now you're still lacking point of attack defense, but a five man lineup of like Dinwiddie Reeves, LeBron DFS AD, at least on the front line, that's a ton of defensive versatility. And Dorian Finney Smith is really shooting it well this year. So mm-hmm. that could be something really interesting. I think, I think Levine could be gettable for, a return that's going to surprise people. Yep. I think because of Agreed. how Chicago has played without him, they in with how large his contract is, I think we could see like matching salary in like seconds or something. Like I I think especially if you have like an expiring to match, I really don't know how much unless they're just like totally unrealistic. I think it would behoove them to move on from him just and get almost nothing back except for maybe financial flexibility because Kobe White's blossoming. Like, let this group keep going. Levine's contract is really bad. Yes. It's really bad. Like, Especially he, with his health issues. Right. He's getting like, what, 47 over the next three or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Sheesh. Like, if the Lakers acquired him, they'd have no flexibility. Yeah, and and it seems like the Lakers have signaled they don't really want the big three set up financially. They don't want, like, three huge salaries and then minimums. But like you're saying, they, they only have so many years of LeBron left. This season is struggling right now, and this is the best available guy. Like, you might just have to do it and, and make it work. Agreed. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm with you, and, you know, we're – we're focusing mostly on the Lakers. Um, some negative heat things. They did lose two straight, including one to the Jazz. And rim pressure is something this team lacks, especially when Jimmy's out. They don't really have anyone on the roster that pressures the rim. And so if there's a night where they're not shooting well from three and not able to get to the line, it it can look rough. And so I'm doing the same thing you are. I'm kind of like, man, Levine can really drive the basketball. Like mm-hmm. that's a that's an automatic paint touch. So I'm like, well, maybe if it's just Lowry plus, you know, whatever. So 
it's it's easy to do and and I think like you like you know obviously the Lakers are struggling Miami overall feeling good about how they're doing but as we get closer to that trade deadline I think all fans kind of start thinking like okay let's let's just tinker just a little bit let's find that missing piece so I think everybody's eyes are kind of turning towards what teams are going to be sellers. You're talking about bringing Levine into like the fold of something like Miami. They just ran zone for an entire basketball game and right. won handily. <laughs> yeah, I think they can incorporate Zine and uh, yeah. Levine into the defense. It'll I be. Think okay. they, I think they could too. I think. Yeah, not to get too much on this tangent, but yeah, I think the financial aspect of it will be the biggest hurdle for Miami yeah. because in an ideal world, like you probably wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for Zach Levine just because you'd want to save him for a better player. Yes. But financially, you can't really afford Tyler, Levine, Bam, and Jimmy all over $30 million for the next four years and with some of those guys being in the 40s. So you'd almost have to trade Tyler because you, you couldn't really financially cover it going forward so that that's a tough obstacle and like you said i think everybody's gonna call chicago and be like what's the caruso price oh okay well while we're on the phone yeah while we're on the phone yeah like i like iota sumu what's what's uh, what's going on with him like no one's talking about him i thought he's overlooked he's a good player yeah no he's he's good he's good <laughs> i if i were calling chicago i'd be like you need to get io more minutes i'll take caruso off your hands like you know but I, I don't I don't even go right. for that. Uh I did want to go ahead and just say shout out to Kevin Love, dude. Dude. This guy got 14 rebounds without ever jumping for the ball. You watch every single one of those rebounds, feet planted on the ground. This is the best he's played in a heat jersey. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh all of our guys just stepped up, like you mentioned. There was the whole lineup. Scored double digits. Um, I do think we have some concerns. You know, I want to celebrate a big win like this, um, but obviously, we have a lot to work on. The Clippers game, the Jazz game, both of those just did not go very well. And if we're going to be this unhealthy, I think we do have a big issue in our guard core. Like, I feel like we don't. Kyle's been great. Kyle's been awesome in 25 minutes, which is the perfect version of Kyle that I want to see. He comes out there, he levels the floor, uh, he makes smart decisions, he gets the ball going and gets us into our our uh, our stuff way faster and way smoother. But I just feel like when he's off the floor, and especially if Tyler's off the floor as well, Jaime's been great. He's a great ball handler. I trust him with the ball, but honestly, I don't know that he's ready to be a primary ball handler for this team yet. And every time Josh Richardson ends up being our primary ball handler going into our actions, it just doesn't go right. And I think Josh had a pretty decent game. You know, he had 10 points, was plus nine uh, on the court. But we just have to make something happen there. Because I just, besides Kyle, I just, and, you know, Jimmy can do it too when he gets back. But, I see these teams like the Suns and even ourselves that, you know, just kind of forego a traditional point guard. And I kind of hate it. <laughs> I just, it feels so chaotic out there sometimes when you don't have a guy who just knows how to operate an offense at a high level. Um, and it just feels so transparent, especially when you're trying to hold on to a lead or dig yourself out of a hole. Like a guy like that is just so important. And sometimes it feels like we're lacking. But what did you see from this game, Micah, from the heat? And is there anything that um, you feel like was worth highlighting? 
Yeah, well, well, to your point, I think the point you're making is so good because when Kyle is out there, everything feels so much more comfortable for everyone else. And it's like if Kyle was 33, it would be ideal, man. It, he would be the perfect point guard for this team. But at his age, especially during the regular season, you don't want to push that. And um, there's a gap today between news. The Cleveland Cavaliers agreed to a buyout with Ricky Rubio, and then within a couple hours, he posted his retirement post. And within those couple hours, there were Heat fans that are like, hey, I mean, if he just needs a change of scenery, like we need a backup point guard. And it's true, like a table setter would do a lot for this team. But the problem is, and I and I love Tyler and Duncan. I have both their jerseys in my home. But the problem is whoever is playing the one for this team has to be a good defender because you can't yeah. start a backcourt of Tyler and Duncan or the Heat would be doing it because that's a great amount of shooting. That would be great. But they have to be a good guard defender. So that's why, like all other teams, Caruso would be a perfect fit. Not that he's a table setter, but defensively, you just would never have to worry about the other team's best guard. So, but yeah, this game specifically loved the pace for the opening group. I believe it was uh, Kyle, Jaime, Jovic, Bam, and Tyler. And all those guys can grab the ball and go. Jovic in transition was especially fun. So, love the pace they're playing with early. Obviously, the offense still looks pretty rough and Spoh's having to do all kind of wizardry to make the defense work. But with as many injuries they have, especially on the perimeter, a uh, uh, win is a win and we'll take it. This Phoenix game tomorrow, I'm very excited about. Durant I hope y'all lose. <laughs> Thanks, Kayla. This, uh, this Durant may or may not play. That may or may not matter. Jimmy's already been ruled out. So it's going to be tough regardless, but I'm just very interested to see how they match up and who they yeah. like. I don't think Jovic is going to be starting in that one. If Durant's playing, who do you Dude. think would start and who do you think would cover him? Cover Durant. Mm-hmm. I, if it were me, yeah, RJ Hampton back out there. Nah. If it were me. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I'm going to say it. I, I'm going to should start Jamal Kane. Oh no. I was saying Jaime. <laughs> Oh, I thought, I yeah, thought... I mean, he should start anyways, and he, but he should not. I mean, he should guard Kevin Durant in the way that Kevin Durant's going to score 40 anyways. So you might as well yeah. just... The more we're talking about this, I'm like, this is just going to be another zone fest. Because, like, yeah. what, I mean, Beal, Booker, and Durant, like, mm, I guess you could, put, you could put Bam on Durant, put Jovic on Nurkic. Yeah. And, like, try and do it that way. We'll see what happens there. I will say, I just... Our shot diet has me concerned to say mm. the least especially yeah, like uh if you zoom in on like duncan robinson's performance who's been awesome all season mm. shout out to dunk man he's been just going crazy out there but you know he missed so many shots was like zero for eight or something like that to start the game and then in the fourth quarter he like hits a glass over double or hits a layup over double coverage. Uh, I'm just driving to the paint, shoots a contested like step back three over Anthony Davis and shoots another contested three. And that is such an example of our offense sometimes of like our shots that we make feel like the hardest possible shots you could take on any given night. And um, we 
don't get to the basket. Jaime's obviously got a great uh, post-up game uh, when he can get there, but even he, it felt like he struggled a bit to get to his spots against the much larger and much more defensively savvy uh, Lakers team. And so without a guy who can just crash to the basket at any given moment, it just it concerns me for the rest of the regular season, but especially the playoffs. It doesn't um, stir so. the drink. The hey. defense doesn't get put in rotation. <laughs> Hero, just... Hero hit some crazy shots Bro, last his night. His shot diet is Every despicable. shot he hit was like <laughs> super contested. That's because yeah. every shot he takes is super contested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we love him, but man, the efficiency has not been there and the shot diet is atrocious. Ty- he was hit, uh, he was hitting him over AD last night. He was, was like, he Tyler. made some big buckets. And it, it's awesome. exciting. Tyler's been great, but I texted Lino the other day. I was like, his best attribute and his worst attribute are the same, and that is his confidence. <laughs> He's he thinks he can do anything out there, and it allows him to do a lot more than he probably would if he didn't have that mentality. But yeah, the end of I think it was at the end of the the half. It was the end of the first half. They call up a switch, and AD switches onto him, and he's just like food. It's like no <laughs> pass. And then, of course, he hits four moves and hits this like midi over him, and I'm like, sure, of course. But oh my gosh, you know, speaking of that, dude, we gotta have a conversation about Bam Adebayo. Careful, it's not a bad conversation. He's awesome. <laughs> You know, he's a careful now. Um, you know, he had 15, 7, and 5 on three steals, plus 12. Uh, Anthony Davis, we talked about playing like the whole half. Once right. Ben realized that AD wasn't coming out, Bam was like, okay, I guess I'm staying in too. He was locked That's in. A, Kevin but... Love said that. Kevin said, you got to stay in here. <laughs> Kevin Love said, I'm, I'm not, not going. <laughs> um, but I just, there's something about him when he goes up against elite defenders where it sometimes feels like he's trying to prove himself with scoring where, you know, I've been really excited and really proud of the developments he's had in his offensive game. Uh, the bag he's put together, his uh, mid range scoring has been awesome to watch uh, blossom over the past season. It just feels like he really, really starts to force it whenever he's going up against guys like AD, Gobert, these elite defenders, these uh, depoy candidates. He just always seems to push it a little bit too far when it's like, we don't need you to be able to score on Anthony Davis. Like, it would be great, but, you know, we could run a pick and roll and get you a much smaller guy where you can do the exact same thing. And you don't have to take 15 dribbles. Uh, two spin moves, uh, lose the ball for a second. Did you see that play? <laughs> that was crazy. That was pass the ball, was like, man. What are you bro, doing? It's okay, bro. You're not letting us down if you pass the ball. So You're a great he passer. And he, I can just tell, like, and he's not a guy who's super emotional. Like, he doesn't really show it, but he's just like, when you watch him, it just feels like you can just tell. He's like, he's taking yes. this so personal. Yes, yes. He really he wants could... to be this guy. And I love it. Like, I love the drive to do so. It's just not always the smartest basketball decision. Uh, and I don't want him to, like, not shoot whenever he's facing up these guys. But I think it's just important that we get him some better looks, like get him something closer to the basket, get him switched off to Austin Reeves. You know, he was out there a whole bunch last night. You could have done good. that against him. AR's got enough. Every action <laughs> AR got to defend, bro. He's tired. I will. I will say, as a fan like Lino as well, that has followed Bam his whole career, the fact that we're now having this discussion 
is amazing considering we used to have like dude attack daniel tice discussions <laughs> yeah and now we're yeah, like okay maybe it. chill with Embiid. like you know so it's <laughs> it it's still a good thing but yeah. I, you guys are spot on bam takes these matchups super personally yes. zach Lowe had an awesome piece several years ago now they talked about i think Miami was playing in Minnesota. John Calipari was there, probably recruiting a six-year-old. But he got Carl Towns and Bam out to dinner with them because they're both Kentucky centers. And I can't remember the exact details, but Calipari is basically saying like, "Oh yeah, like you know, Cat." This was when Cat was like, you know, everybody seems the best prospect, whatever. Yeah. And so he, you know, Calipari is talking him up, and he said the table started shaking. And Bam's knee under the table, his legs were shaking because he was like so angry and amped up about this matchup tomorrow because of the way Cal was talking about Cat. And like, and that's <laughs> like Bam's such a kind hearted person, it seems He's like so, by all yeah. accounts. But he does have that KG thing in him where he's like he's they're not better than me it's like it gets crazy so yeah. uh, you know a regular season yeah. it's fine he seems to have a good sense of it in the playoffs not to just constantly go at guys but last night that sequence when he was just determined to take that shot against ad mm-hmm. and a- that was like ad that was like hell and he made some AD. tough shots over ad like a couple of them yeah he made a couple yeah. middies and, and stuff like you said it's just happy to see him like having that drive to do so I think we just got to take a bit of a step back sometimes, or at least, you know, find some easier looks when there's definitely some available. Yeah. Um, but did you have any other like closing thoughts, any other players you wanted to talk about or about our uh, season moving forward? Bro, bro, real quick, did y'all see, you You might not have saw this, after the game, Darvin Ham, I know he's feeling the heat. He typically does not, like, you know, he's a player's coach. He doesn't criticize players, and he started to criticize players a little bit. I know he's feeling that heat, but he also tried to use, like, as a sort of quasi-excuse that some of his guys were injured and wrong game when Jimmy Butler and Haywood Highsmith and Caleb Martin are injured and you got smacked around still. But he Mm -hmm. also was trying to, uh, like, say that, it's easier to replace star to, to replace a star player than like three role players, dude. Shut mm. up, man! Like, <laughs> shut your mouth, dude. You lost. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah right. I saw I saw that quote, and I only saw like the aggregated clip, so I don't know the context or anything. But yeah, that's I had the all same you need thought. to see. It was like he was like, "Yeah, it's hard to win without help." And then he like thought about who they just played, and he's like, "Well, it's really easier when you don't have your big guy." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> What? Yeah. Yeah. He's having a rough time. Grassman is Grassman got out anything. Just anything. Well, hope hopefully things turn around in Laker land. But yeah, that's all I have. I, I loved how the Heat played in this one and everybody had good moments. And Lino, I echo most of your sentiments on Bam maybe maybe needing uh, to attack depoys a little less, Josh Richardson maybe needing to handle the ball a little less, but you know, overall I can't be <laughs> mad at how the team's playing. Uh Kaylin, if you don't have any other thoughts on this one, I believe you brought a fun activity for us today. Yeah, I sure did, guys. Uh one of my uh players that I've really liked this season and kind of been paying attention to is Derek White, the Boston Celtics, uh, who Funny enough, really hit my radar whenever D'Angelo Russell had brought him up, saying so he wanted to play like him. Uh, but Derek White is a guy I like. He's a quintessential uh, role player. He's the role player. He's the OG Anobi of the league. You know, he just kind of does everything you could want a role player to do on both ends. 
uh, Derek White's a point guard, but uh, he's just great on ball, great off ball, uh, great low maintenance guy, team guy. Just does everything. He's having a 50-40-90 season uh, this year, if you didn't know that. He's really been spectacular. Uh, career high in points, 17 points a game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is really good. And then a little fun fact, Greg Popovich let this guy go for peanuts, but I guess we're just trusting Pop. Anyway, uh, the game that I wanted to play was uh, Would You Rather Have with Derek White. Uh, I'm just, I, I have a, a list of players that I have grabbed, and I want you and Lino to tell me, would you rather have Derek White or would you rather have uh, Player X? And just to get started, I had a little fun one. Um uh, would you guys rather have Derek White or Tyler Hero? Is it Hero? Hero? How do you guys say? Is it Her- Hero? I say Hero. Hero? Yeah, no. I say Hero as well. Okay. Also, and... this is nasty work. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Out of this the game. Let's go. Rude. This is very, very rude. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let's. Uh, is this just for any team in general? Oh, okay. Sorry. Like yeah. Team? Yeah. Let me set the parameters. Um. So, yeah. Derek White's like he's gonna be your starter, or you can have uh, another starting point guard. And then let's just say that you have one like two way star on the team. It could be any whatever position you want doesn't matter. One two way star on the team, uh, and then you have like a clear number two guy who's like a- a average level number two type player. And then uh, you have yeah, it sounds like the Heat. So we gotta just go from there. Sure, sure. Um... <laughs> I'll go first, Micah. Don't worry. I'll I gotta take Derek White. Oh, yeah, I gotta That's... take it. He's just <laughs> he's healthy. He's crazy out there. He just he makes a lot of smart plays, and he rarely does too much. The um, seventeen points a game, I think, is a is a big like deal. It's, he's he's scoring seventeen a game on fifty forty ninety this year. Like it's yeah. pretty nuts. Yeah, and so I think I gotta go Derek White on that one. Cool. But I hate it, and I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> if you ever hear this, just know I love yeah. you, and I only tried to trade you a couple times. Well, we know Duncan Robinson listens to the pod, so <laughs> <laughs> shout out uh, to Duncan, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hero, and wow, I, I, it's a homer take, but I do have some reasoning. Let's hear. It. Um, so Derek White has flourished in Boston. He he's been amazing. He's posted career high effective field goal pursuit shooting percentage uh last year and this year he's even gone up another notch mm-hmm. he's at 42 percent from three and 74 percent at the rim right now Sheesh. and that's awesome but i also watched the san antonio spurs when Derek white was there and that was not who this is and i he has gotten better but how much of it is this situation because he was on that team with dejounte and damar and it was like you guys were saying, one good two-way player, another good second option, the middling kind of low-end playoff team. And Derek White was solid, but we also saw what Boston had to trade to get him. And now he'd probably go for like three firsts or something, the way people talk about him. Mm-hmm. So Derek White, very good player, but I do think that ecosystem is allowing him to be the very best version of himself. And I think the ecosystem Hero is in, you could argue, is a lot harder to thrive within especially offensively because there's so little spacing when your two best players are non three-point shooters so hero final answer mm. uh, a quick quick insight onto that i think uh derek white's gonna be on the jj reddick podcast because uh jj posted a little 10 minute clip which usually he does the day before he posts the whole thing and i was watching the 10 minute clip and uh derek White actually talked about um how he first kind of got his like 
role player mentality. And he talked about it was when he got to San Antonio and he mentioned specifically like, like um, just not having a big ego about it. And that's when he first learned. So maybe he was trying to like kind of buy into this new like pop system, whatever. But I, I hear you. I hear you on that. I just think that like the slow development is like real and maybe not 17 points a game on 50, 40, 90. Like he's having a crazy season, but uh I can see, I can see maybe Hero over him. Okay, next one. What about Darius Garland? I'll go first on this one. I'll go Garland. I, Garland. I think Garland's a special passer, a special offensive engine. Um, and you know, defensively, you're gonna have a lot of issues, but I think the way he can create good shots for other people combined with his shooting and handling, I, I would go Garland. Yeah, I gotta go Garland. If he's gonna be my third guy, and if I got Darius Garland as my third guy, that would be pretty freaking awesome um i think he's going to be more than just a role player moving forward and so okay what about trey young so these are so tough because it's it's so interesting because do you take the best role player in the league or do you take like a lower end star like where where did those overlap because if i'm still taking i'm gonna go I'm gonna go Derek. Ooh, Wayne. really? You're okay. gonna take Trey? Wow. I'm gonna take Trey. Trey's amazing offensively. Yeah, he's, he's amazing he's... offensively, but he needs the ball in his hand if he's gonna be my third guy. And maybe he just bumps out that second guy that we've imaginarily talked about. But if he's the third guy, he's probably. I mean, he he moves a little bit off the ball now, but he's just gonna be you know not as efficient or as productive in a. Th- tertiary role and then he's going to be a nothing on defense and so at that point i would just want Derek white's uh role player mentality and what he brings to the game that's fair i, I, th- I think one interesting thing about Derek white is that uh on a night where Derek white's like his shot is falling which has been a lot of nights this year he he, he can kind of be your second guy mm-hmm. uh you know kind of depending on who you're playing or, or even like a a, a 2b type of player, um, which is kind of what he is uh, mm-hmm. on the Celtics, you know, on any, on any given night. But Trey Young has a kind of a different purpose, so I thought that one it made that one difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about LaMelo Ball? I, I think this is how much you still believe in LaMelo and his development. I would take Derek White for this one. Mm. I'm going to go Derek White, too. I am unfortunately not sold on Lamella Ball is a serious basketball player. You guys are out on Lamelo already. No, wow. no, 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 no. no that's no, just no. me. I'm out, and so <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we, we, out. Um, I'm out, and I'm okay to be wrong with that. I hope he's good. He's fun to watch, but I'm out on him as a serious game-winning basketball player. Yeah, that's that's um, fair. That 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 honestly is a great one, Kalen, because it's the ultimate like winning player makes winning plays on good yep. team. Losing player makes huge stats on bad team. And it's like, <laughs> where do you? So, yeah, that's a great one. Uh, okay. What about Jamal Murray? Mm. I got to go Murray. Okay. Yeah, I got to go Jamal Murray. I think he uh, he's just amazing. He's incredible. And he does a lot of things that Derek White does really well. Oh. Oh. This Shout out to Jamal, close. by the way. Yeah, shout out to Jamal. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, this one's tough because I'm just picturing how much less Jokic would have to do on defense if Derek White was navigating all those screens. I'm gonna go Jamal Murray though. the The ceiling, the offensive ceiling in the playoffs is is worth the difference there. This one was tough for sure. 
Yeah, I guess that also means I think Garland is better than Jamal Murray. Which I hadn't, <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really thought try, about. Try not to think. Try not that was, that this, was easier but... for me to make that choice. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, J- <clears throat> Jamal Murray's still tough, too, because, I, I mean, obviously we like what we've seen from him. He's an electric player, um, but we've also seen that playing next to Jokic is going to give anybody a pretty significant boost. So it's kind of tough to gauge. Um, and then comparing uh, Jamal Murray to Darius Garland is also super interesting as well. Um, okay, next one. How about Bradley Beal? Derek White. Okay. In- important Sorry. question here. Are we uh, taking into account contracts? Ooh, um, no, no. What about health? Uh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes to health. Mm. My goodness. It's so tough because Beal is Beal is so hurt. Beal's so hurt all the time, but he's so good when he, he plays. My goodness. Um, Don't be tantalized by it. You know what your basketball brain is telling you to pick. Yeah. 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 Okay. Derek it's White Derek over White. Bradley Beal. Oh my <laughs> That's getting syndicated. What a sentence. <laughs> Dude, like four years ago, uh, maybe like four or five years ago, Bradley Bill played like back-to-back 82 game seasons. Yeah. He shouldn't have. Never that been was a the mistake. same since. He's never been the Should same Should have played since. like 65. Yeah. Wasn't he like the leading scorer in like 2021 mm-hmm. or 2022 no. or something yes. like that? Yep. So yeah, he had high usage in an 82 game season. Yes. Lost lost all that cartilage in his knee for nothing. Man, for the Wizards of all people. Right. <laughs> Uh, I guess he got that contract. I shouldn't say for nothing. He got oh yeah the that greatest he got. the greatest bag in NBA history. Sold his knees for a huge bag. I guess yeah. somebody actually it. yeah. I, I'm sorry. Take strike that from the record. Shout out Brad. That was a brilliant move. <laughs> okay, I got two more. Um, Desmond Bain. Wow. Oh, this one hurts. <laughs> you want both uh, of them, definitely. I need them both. <laughs> both. That's the answer. Celtics could have had them both, which is nuts. Wow, traded away the pick. Um, oh, wow. hmm. Desmond shooting is so impactful, ridiculous. And he's just—he's good all around offensively, but shooting especially is so good. But defensively, he's not great. He's got little arms. <laughs> so Tyler Hero, but yeah, we're we're beyond that now. Uh, I'm gonna but go. Take... I'm gonna go Bane. I'm gonna go Desmond Bane. Mm-hmm. See, and it's and this guy. is a good one too because Memphis kind of fits like the team you set up. Yep. So like mm-hmm. if you went to Memphis and like if Boston went to them and contracts didn't exist and they're like Derek White for Desmond Bane straight up, like I think Memphis says no. I think Memphis yeah. says no. Yeah, I'm gonna go Bane. This is this is so weird because now I'm comparing <laughs> all the guys. I, so like, I have Bane over Lamelo, and I clearly have Bane close to Jamal Murray, and I have Garland over all of them. Anyway, let's keep going. I think what's really crazy about that one, that one, I think maybe even more than anyone, it it really highlights. How highly we all think of Derek White. Desmond Bain is a winning player. He's yeah. not like he's he plays the right way. He's a max player. They gave him the max mm-hmm. amount of money they could. Like, and it's still like, ooh, but I think I might rather have him. You know, I would feel differently if they had won more games without Ja. 
Because I was expecting, I was like, this whole situation is going to be a great point. And I think I said this in our preseason preview. Um, I was like, this is going to be a great opportunity for Desmond Bain to show that he can be a guy. Um, And then they went on to just be terrible. Of course, there was a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But that definitely plays into my mentality of being hesitant. Whereas if they would have been, you know, if they had even gone 500 in that stretch with just Desmond Bain out there, I'd be like, no, this guy is awesome. He definitely need him over Derek White. And I still pick Bain over White, but it gave me pause. That was a tough one. That was a tough one for sure. Okay, last one. Uh, James Harden. Are you insane? <laughs> hey, with, with with the way that he looked on the Clippers recently, you saw what Micah said that this score, he all in. I think he about oh, to say man. James Harden. Yeah. Uh... He, all at, he all in on James. <laughs> Oh, as your third guy, <laughs> that's where he's perfect. <laughs> uh, oh man, James Harden or Derek White? That my brain has never <laughs> considered that. My brain's never had that thought. Who would you rather have? If that came across on the trade, like in the news lines one day as a trade, we would all be losing our shit. There's no way you trade James Harden for Derek White. I'm going James but I don't Harden. Know. I don't know which way. That's crazy. James, I'll do it. I'll I'm going James it. Harden. Hey, you know he loves a chucker. Listen, okay, I have to go back in my mind. Who did I pick over? Who did I not? Who did I pick Derek White over? Just LaMelo? Just LaMelo. Yeah. That also means I have Hero over LaMelo. It's true. I have Hero over LaMelo, but. Well, you hate him. Because I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that's because i'm insane um but man that was a good oh exercise. i'm gonna go Derek white over yeah. harden over harden oh I'm yeah do my it. bad i can't believe yeah. you michael you took james harden i'm falling he's just it. not healthy i'm falling and he can't it. play 82 he can hardly play 16 i just uh, i gotta I just, go Derek white i wish we could hook james up to a polygraph machine what is going on in the playoffs can you just tell us how did you get <laughs> 45 in game one against the celtics and then nothing and then nothing and then another 40 burger and then nothing how can you just tell me what are you let me i just want to yeah. know um yeah i, I don't feel it. good about any of those Derek white picks by the way i, feel disgusting. I, feel disgusting <laughs> I can't believe i can't believe micah took the field every other time except for LaMelo. That was I'm tired of this all-star push everybody's doing. It's not right. <laughs> you do have to remember we hate the Celtics and at, at our core. So most devastating shot of my basketball life was delivered by That's Derek true. White. That's true. We almost got embarrassed on national TV. Almost I had a bonus one that I just skipped, um, but it was it was D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> that was easy. I do have another one for you guys, though. Yeah. Would you guys take Derek White or Chris Middleton? Derek White. Oh, you hate Chris Middleton, too. I, 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 I don't like Chris Middleton. <laughs> Personally, as a fan, as an irrational fan, to be clear, I'm sure he's a great person. That one is tough because <laughs> Chris kind of coming along a little... Yeah, he's getting a little healthier. He started so rough. Yeah, and even if you just think about like last season, Chris Middleton, like pre-injury, if like it's reasonable to think he's going to get back to that, like 
and and his scoring works in the playoffs. Like those the shots he gets to, those are there in the playoffs against good defenses. Right. And in the playoffs is where I really kind of expect Derek White to be kind of on off, on off. Yeah. I don't know how consistent his shot is in the playoffs. Yeah, I guess ultimately it'll depend on where Middleton's defense gets back to. Right. Mm -hmm. Because last year when Jimmy was like pointing at him and like waving him to come up. And like his man to set the pick, I was like, "Oh, this has changed. This is not the same." <laughs> yeah, that felt bizarre. I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> that well, just felt like Jimmy being insane." <laughs> that was, that didn't seem yeah. like smart basketball. It just seemed like Jimmy was being crazy. You know, speaking of that, because you know Jimmy, he was cooking Drew too, and you know yeah. Drew gets the most respect almost really out of anybody, yeah. and, and if you ask other players, mm-hmm. but and I, I know it's Shay. But when I watched that OKC game, the way that Shea will be laying the ball up and and Drew is just now like turning over, I'm like, he's at the elbow. I I know Shea is nice, Drew, but oh my god, (laughs) you didn't even turn around. That's a (laughs) yeah, that's a great. Let's transition to this. Who, if you guys had to pick, would be the best player in the league to guard Shea? Uh. Yeah, I I might be leaning Jaden. Yeah, I don't know the way I saw Thompson guarded his ass that one that one game. <laughs> yeah, honestly, in a year, in a year think, or two. I'm just trying to think of someone who's just got that who still has that lateral quickness. The guys we think of that had the lateral quickness are all kind of getting a step slower, and SGA is as fast as it gets now. And so guys like I would, Drew, I would say like uh, Phoenix, Mikael Bridges. That kind of length yeah. on him, I feel like, would be ideal. You peak LeBron. But I think, oh like, it's so tough because, like, I think about guys like Jalen Brunson, and he, he's a little smaller, so you can kind of ball him up with longer guys. But the guys who are shifty, Luka Doncic, like, if you're, like, shifty, like, herky-jerky, it almost doesn't matter how quick the defender is. Like it's just about getting them off balance and then making your move. And Shea also understands angles so so well. The way he he dips and dives is super impressive. I'm just not sure if there's really even. It's tough to pick a guy. I, that's why like a star a strong. Like I think maybe a strong defender who's also quick instead of a wiry guy like Mikael Bridges could potentially be better to kind of well, muscle, muscle him, send him the way you want to send him. Yeah, and to close out that game um, from just a couple of days ago, the Boston-Oklahoma uh, City game, they put Tatum on him down the stretch, and Tatum held up pretty well. And and Tatum's a unique player. There's not a lot of guys that move like that at that size. But but maybe somebody like that that's really like a positionally a couple steps up but has a lateral quickness to – get close but there's not a good answer and i think it's going to be fun we kind of saw an example of it with that boston game but teams are going to try weird stuff with oklahoma city because oklahoma city is a weird team like we're going to see like guards get put on chet we're going to see like soft doubles at shea like i I, there's going to be some interesting stuff so i can't wait to see who they get matched up with in the playoffs and what they try and do and i know we want to get to the thunder to kind of close it out here um just for you know their kind of baseline stuff 23 and 10 fifth in offense six in defense just had a huge win over boston beat some other very good teams before that so the whole world is talking about the oklahoma city thunder so of course the atlanta hawks beat them last night but they're still a great team 
I wanted to ask both of you if you were uh, Sam Presti, if you had full control over basketball operations and it's getting close to the trade deadline, would you try and make a slight upgrade, all-in move, or just see what this core looks like in the playoffs? Kalen, I'll throw it to you first. Um, So I have previously been in the camp that they need to make a move. I'm not a Josh Giddy guy, both for basketball reasons and with the other stuff, which, and just karma reasons. Get the guy off the team. Um, and... I like Lou Dort. Lou Dort could definitely be on the team. Lou Dort could also, I think, be moved, and I think it would still be okay. I think their core, I mean, I don't think, I know their core is uh, Shea, Chet, and, and uh, J-Dub, Jalen Williams. Uh, those are definitely, like, the three guys. Like, those are guys. Like, with those three guys, you can win a championship, and you can tinker with the other parts. Uh, but, like, as recently as today, I've kind of changed my mind. I think that they can go into the playoffs. It's 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 okay. Whatever people were saying, oh well, you got to go in there and you got to lose first and kind of see what you have. Like the, the problem that I had with that was you have to go in and lose. What? No, you don't. You can try to win. We don't have to go in there and lose. But uh, I do think it's okay. I think it's okay just to just to be doubly sure what you have. I think it was uh, Wazi Lombre on the group chat podcast that made the point that um, the Nuggets couldn't have been sure that KCP was what they needed before they went into the playoff with, with Will Barton, right? And they saw he wasn't, okay, well, now we know we need KCP, we need Bruce Brown. I think that's a fair argument to make um, so you don't jump the gun, get acquire the wrong guy or move the wrong guy. So I think I'm okay with them going into the playoffs this year. Um, I don't see them winning without making a change. They just don't have the experience, I think. Um, so I think it's fine. Just, you know, take your lumps and kind of assess from there. I think, I think that's an okay decision to make. Well, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like keeping temperatures down is probably the best idea when it comes to the trade deadline. Like, I don't think there's any pressing move that's going to get them over the hump right now. I think this lineup could probably use some veteran presence as they get into the playoffs. Just, people who've been there before uh, that we've just seen that that makes a difference. I wish I kind of wish they got Chris Paul back somehow and just had him like on the bench, running bench units, chilling, like just keeping like what he did with them <laughs> in the bubble. Um, but I think or not the bubble, um, but previously, but I just don't think you're going to be able to upgrade any of your positions in a way that's very meaningful that without risking some of the chemistry that you've got so far. They're definitely guys to move. I think Giddy is a very movable piece. I think Lou Dort is probably a movable piece if you um, maybe wanted to get um, a better scoring option for the bench um, and for bench units or non-SGA minutes. But, I mean, you've got Chet right there. You could always just bump up his usage. Um, I do want to ask you guys a little bit about these uh, conversations surrounding SGA, uh, his performance. Obviously, he's been amazing. He's been borderline unstoppable. I've been seeing some people ask the question of whether or not you would take Shea Gildas-Alexander over Jason Tatum. I think that's a conversation we had in our Discord earlier. But I just wanted to talk about it here. I just think we have to wait it out a little bit. I think SJ is amazing. I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's okay to want to be early on some of these things, but I just need him to do some stuff first 
and really see it happen and, you know, see it in the playoffs um, before we get there. But what are y'all's thoughts and what are you thinking? Yeah, that that's a good point. It's, it is something I think all of us as fans and analysts that cover the game need to consider is you're going to see so many warts on a guy if he's been in a lot of playoff battles. I remember being really frustrated with Tyler Hero discourse when people would be comparing him to Anthony Simons or Jordan Poole during his breakout season before the playoffs where he did struggle mightily. And I thought it was really unfair to be like, oh, well, Hero really struggled against this team in the playoffs or that team in the playoffs. And it's like, well, yeah, the best perimeter defender on a top three team was on him. Like, we need to see guys in those situations to truly evaluate where they are. And so I think you could make the argument like Tatum has been at the top of a playoff scouting report for at least four, maybe five years, considering where you think he was with Hayward and Kyrie. So it's fair to say we can't really say where Shea is compared to him until we see that. But as somebody that is a huge Shea fan and that thinks the way he plays will really translate well to the playoffs, I don't have as many concerns with that. And I do think it's a conversation worth having. Uh, but but some guys, you know, just shrink in those moments. Shea definitely doesn't seem like somebody that would, but yeah, maybe maybe there's some something we haven't seen um, that if he gets in a cage match with a really smart coach, we'll be able to kind of exploit. So, Kalen, what do you think? Uh, okay, see, they're a little Shea heavy. Like they they, I mean, Shea is the guy. He runs a ton of pick and roll there, and it gets a little repetitive in the playoffs. That's going to be something that you you do look at. Is that something that's Kind of shut down. Do they need a second pitch? Does he need a second pitch as a player? I mean, well, not a second. He has multiple pitches, but we'll see. Um, that being said, uh, a guy who is as consistently awesome late in the game as Shea, as Shea Gill is, I don't foresee him like having issues in the playoffs just because, I mean, he he's so clutch late. And in terms of uh, Shea versus Tatum, I'm confidently in the Shea camp. I'm a big, big Shea fan. Uh, I like Tatum's game, but I don't. Uh, his shot selection is atrocious, in my opinion. Those threes he takes, I mean, he he, he hits some incredible threes. Um, but I, I'm just not a fan of those pull up jumpers. He takes too many for a guy with his size, and I mean, he's a little slender, but he actually is kind of strong for you know. To, he's kind of like wiry strong. So, mm. you know, I, I love him. See him just get to the hole more, but that's not really his thing because I think he just. I think he just likes three. I think I think I think threes are just fun for him. He, he has more fun mm -hmm. playing the game that way. And I love seeing Shea carve up uh, defenders and get to that fifteen foot jumper, get to the rim, get fouled. Like that's what I find valuable. So I also yeah. think that Shea has been so linear in his growth in a weird way that how we kind of attribute to like guys like Evan Mobley, how we think he's going to grow and grow and grow. Shea's gotten better like every year of his career he's been in the NBA. So that's true. I'd bank on that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. When it comes to this team, I think everybody has high aspirations for them getting to the playoffs, maybe not making it to the finals, but when it comes to like matchups, is there any matchups outside? I don't really foresee them being without home court advantage, um, but are there any matchups in that like four to 10 range that you feel like could be a nightmare for them to see in the first round or um, could be bad for them? Or do we feel like we could pretty confidently expect them to make it to the second round or even the conference finals? 
Yeah, I think when you're looking out west, it'll obviously depend where they finish. Uh, matchups that I would uh, like try and avoid if I were them would probably be guys with a ton of perimeter talent um, that can put pressure on their defense. Uh, specifically, the Clippers and Phoenix, when healthy, I mm. think could could cause some issues for them. And they don't really have the defenders to bottle up Shea, they like you know guard defenders in that way. Um, but I think it could be something where they struggle to keep up scoring if the other team's just ignoring Josh Giddy and different guys in the playoffs. That could be something to consider. Um, Kaylin, before I let you get in on that question, I do want to say for anyone listening that is yelling at us, we are aware Shea Gilders Alexander has played in the playoffs. We're just saying as a number one option, we want to see where he would be at. So just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Micah. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty confident in OKC uh, and the success they're going to have in the playoffs this season. I don't see them making the finals, but in terms of like advancing, as long as they're avoiding the Denver Nuggets, I'm I'm pretty confident that, that they're going to advance at least one, maybe even two rounds. I can see these guys getting to the conference finals if they kind of land right in the black uh, in the uh, bracket. I wouldn't want to see the Clippers either if I was them. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, Denver or uh, or the Clippers, I think, will give them trouble. But I, I'm confident that, that they can advance this year. Yeah, man. Now that we're talking about that Clippers matchup, would be crazy when you think like Paul George on Shea and Kawhi on J Dub, and like <laughs> Josh Giddy's ISOing on Harden, like trying to make something happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be pretty awesome. Oh, um. So yeah, we're we're going long here. So do you guys have any closing thoughts on the Thunder? Any shout outs from that Thunder Boston game? I don't yeah. think so. I don't cool. think so. Cool. Well, this is a super fun episode, guys. Had a great time. I will be thinking about my Derek White's Would You Rathers for the rest <laughs> of the evening and probably uh, having some regrets when I listen to this tomorrow. But James Harden. <laughs> That's not even the one I'm most worried about. But thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Irrational Confidence. We're excited to start this new year with everyone. Wish everyone a prosperous and productive 2024. As always, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on TikTok at Irrational Confidence Pod. For Lino, Kalen, and myself, we appreciate you rocking with us, and we will see you guys next time.